After regaining advertiser trust, YouTube finds themselves in hot water regarding brand safety. They're making changes, but is it enough? And 5G is on the horizon, but what impact will it have for marketers? We're breaking down the latest in advertising and tech on this episode of The A-Game. Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of The A-Game. I'm Morgan Rooks, and we have a very special episode for you guys. If you're a loyal listener, you probably realize that these are not the dulcet tones of one Jim Ganser. They are not. They are not. Jim is home celebrating the arrival of his new baby boy. Bo. Congratulations, Jim. Bo Shepard Ganser. You want to talk about a strong name? <laughs> Bo Shepard Ganser is a strong name. Little Bo Shepard Ganser, the third of the Ganser boy trio. Uh, hopefully one day to uh, fo- take their father's footsteps and become a podcast. Well, it's interesting that the Jonas Brothers released yes. new music today, and then the, the Boy Ganser Trio yes. is also probably fast on their heels. It's something we can talk about later. The Ganser Brothers. The Ganser Brothers. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Need, needs a little work. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I think it's, it's good. Great. I think it's good. And if you're wondering about those other voices, well, you probably recognize one. He is our expert on marketing automation and technology. Hi, Jeff. Oh, so happy to be here. So happy to be here. And we have a new voice with us in her debut podcast performance. Please welcome one of Adcom's rising stars, Hope Ho. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm an avid fan of the show, and being on this podcast is one of my dreams. Do you know what's really exciting about this? I think it's starting to show depth of bench. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Depth of bench is critical in this business, not just podcasting Mm. and marketing. And Hope Ho is ready to take a starting role. Are yes. you allowed to say my full name? Yeah, why not? You can add me on LinkedIn. Are you concerned? Are you concerned that this is going to out you? Not are you until in witness now. protection <laughs> we, using we are your real like, name? We are like two minutes in and hope is not working. Follow yeah. me. <laughs> I love it. Follow me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Instagram. Love everything about it, Hope. Don't follow me on Instagram. Also, we have a brand new Twitter handle, the Adcom Podcast on Twitter. Please follow us. We're going to start tweeting out some of the articles that we're referencing in our podcasts and, of course, our podcasts as well and answer all of your questions um, from the ones involving marketing and tech or the ones that maybe involve our favorite movie. We can we can touch on everything. Can I talk about my least favorite movie? Your least favorite movie. Sure, let's I, talk about that. I watched something last night. Accident, I say accidentally, but that's letting me off the hook. I turned in a movie called Geostorm with Gerard Butler. I'm going to go ahead and just make a, a blanket statement that nobody should ever watch Geostorm with G- Gerard Butler. There's Not your public service announcement for a Friday. All right. So one of the reasons that we have Hope here is because we're going to talk about YouTube. And Hope is one of our paid media specialists and does a lot of work on the platform. So let's dig in a little bit to this YouTube news from this week. News from this week. Uh, so they were in a load of trouble this week. A content creator came out and accused the platform of not doing enough to protect uh, young children from predatory content. Um, and then advertisers like Disney, Epic Games, Nestle, and Hasbro have all decided to remove their advertising from the platform. Um, I think what's really interesting here is that YouTube just kind of came over the hurdle of a previous um, Uh, brand safety issue that they faced in 2016. So in 2016, there was an audit done that found that major advertisers were advertising alongside really inflammatory content, um, things like neo-Nazi content, um, ISIS, terrorist, um, fake news. And um, they had to do a lot of of brand safety measures to correct that. And now here they are again. Uh, Hope, in your opinion, do you think YouTube is doing enough to protect advertisers uh, from inflammatory content? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I 
I think that this is not something they could have foreseen. Um, and comments as a whole is just so hard to monitor. Just to back up a little bit, the issue was that there was um, a slew of like pedophilic comments that are found on several like very innocent videos of just young girls like playing or like doing gymnastics. They're not sexual in nature at all. And there are just really disgusting comments in some of the comment sections of those videos with like timestamps for quote unquote um, suggestive like poses or like looks that the little girls give the audience in the videos. And it's just really disgusting, super despicable. In general, I think that that isn't something that YouTube actively monitors. And I think that's just something that they never could have seen coming. Like, obviously, freedom of speech. People can say whatever they want on the internet clearly, and they can comment whatever they want. Clearly, but yeah. now, <laughs> But now it's kind of an issue of whether we're harming minors or putting them in dangerous way because of something that we couldn't initially control. I think that they're taking a lot of steps to solve for this issue for now. I know that they've taken off all comments for videos that could potentially be harmful for minors. That's a they've, slippery slope, huh? Yeah, yeah. They've disabled um, comment sections yeah. for entire videos for like unboxing channels or there are mommy bloggers that like post YouTube videos oh, about I'm, their day-to-day -day lives. I'm deep in this with, with my kids. It's interesting as coming at it from a somebody who markets mm -hmm. perspective who uses YouTube and then in my daily life seeing how my kids utilize it. My kids are relatively young, but you know, the number of views on these videos, 9 million, 10 million, mm -hmm. 50 million views on some of these videos, you see how, um, you know, how, how kind of pervasive, almost even addictive that they are. One of the questions that I have, maybe this is a great question for both of you, but hope I'd like you to answer it first is in situations like this, where we see advertisers back out, which is totally justified, um, you know, it doesn't line up with their brand and their, you know, kind of their moral compass, uh, which it wouldn't for anybody. But when we see these advertisers very ceremonially back out, <laughs> do they come back? Um, I think that a lot do gradually just because YouTube is such a Huge. massive space. Yeah. It's the number, it's like the number two search platform it in is. the world um, right behind Google. And so I think that that's just a space that you can't really not be on, especially for like the Disney's and Hasbro's and Mattel's. As you said, like your kids are on YouTube constantly and being absent from that space is I think very harmful to your brand. So I think that Brands will come back once YouTube has proposed solutions as to how they can fix this, how they can yeah. um, not endanger minors. Um, well, and it is, oh, I'm sorry. That, no, go ahead. Is it more? Is it? I mean, is it disingenuous? Is it disingenuous from advertisers to leave for a bit to prove a point, and yet slowly, quickly, whatever it is, whatever the speed is, migrate back? at some point just because, well, yeah, we know this is an issue, but the platform's just too good. So interesting story is that uh, AT&T pulled their advertising out of YouTube yeah. after 2016 because of that inflammatory content. They just started <laughs> advertising on YouTube in January yeah. of this year. 
and now they're gone again. <laughs> so AT&T just started advertising on YouTube? Again, again. yes. They oh, just again. came back. Excuse so me, okay. They pulled after 2016. They came back this January, and now, of course, after this, I, they haven't come right out and said that they're going to take their inventory away, but I would expect them to. As far as the disingenuous thing, brand safety is a, a challenging thing on the internet. It's a thing that we constantly try to solve for as advertisers, as agencies, as uh, people who are responsible for our clients' money. And it does require a bit of a leap of faith from these platforms or the third-party vendors that we use who promise us brand safety. Yeah. But there's also the thing we talk about a lot with Facebook is that YouTube, much like Facebook, is a walled garden with data sources and, and data-rich resources that we can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking to reach people uh, at scale and if you're looking to really get in front of people, you can't ignore the Facebooks and the YouTubes of the world. You just have to step back, uh, reassess your own processes for brand safety, um, and look for them to make improvements and really pressure them to make improvements with your ad dollar. So there's no there's no good answer. I mean, there's no. there's no, I take a stand, I know this is... The problem with nefarious actors is they're always going to find right. a new fissure to come in through, um, which just kind of is what it is. It's the, it's the state of play of those platforms. But it also, I think what an interesting thing from an agency's perspective is, is a level of realism with our clientele about this kind of you know, programmatic. Do I, do I know without a shadow of a doubt, what you're going to be placed next to. Nope, I absolutely Never. don't. Um, do I know that I placed a, a 100,000 ad yeah. impressions for you? And do I know that 30,000 of those were fraudulent to a bot-driven site? No, I don't. Yeah. Is that something we should be saying, right? Should we be leading with those facts so that brands know that this isn't perfect? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, absolutely. I think that's part of like what our relationship with our clients has to be we have to be super transparent and we just have to educate them on programmatic in general Mm -hmm. and the way that these things are the problem with brand safety is that maybe only like two percent of your content can run on like bad actors yeah there's only so many nefarious actors in this space like i don't think that the majority of people are like pedophiles or that the majority of comments are necessarily negative. I think that the proportion of videos that were affected by this was like, I actually have a statistic. Um, For child safety in particular, we've removed 4.3 million videos and 3.7 million comments to date for child safety violations. While these are large numbers for a platform in the scale of YouTube, this actually represents less than 0.1% of total videos or comments on YouTube. I mean, all of these things happen and there is always the possibility of running on something negative and we have to be aware of that we have to make sure that our clients know that that's a possibility as well um question for both of you do you feel like it's harder to maintain brand safety for your client when you're running on a platform that is mostly user-generated content like a youtube like a facebook i that's 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 a fabulous question and it is (laughs) the 
Is that, the, is, is that the risk sig- we're taking to access that data? It is significantly harder. You know, we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about the hypocrisy of of consumers and data. Like, I don't want to give you my data, but I want a massively personalized experience. Like, yes. Well, hold on a second. Those two things don't go hand in hand with one another. And the same thing exists for agencies and brands and platforms. We want to give you the most return. We want to give you the most lift on previous engagements that you've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also don't want to recognize, you know, kind of these these extraordinarily gray and dark areas of these platforms that we use. It, it goes back to a, a comment I was just about to make, and I guess a question, Morgan, this is an interesting question for you, which is obviously Facebook was extremely maligned over the last two years for the responses to issues. It wasn't the issues necessarily, it was the responses to issues. So Hope is talking very directly about an instance with a, a Google account rep, but is the response, do people and brands intrinsically know that problems are going to happen and are fine with it as long as you react fast to it and you're, and you're honest about what the, the reach of the problem was? Do people just move on their way? Do brands just move on their way? I don't know if they're fine with it. I think in this particular instance with YouTube, there's probably a low tolerance for it because yeah. of the issues that happened yeah, the issues. three years ago. Yeah. It's kind of like you guys should have already been really buttoned up on this. Um, and given the, given the cost barriers, um, obviously we do, we do TrueView, which is a, a pay-per-view, cost-per-view model. Um, but if you go up upper in the tiers, like, there's a... a pretty steep minimum spend for some of these advertisers. They're spending large sums of money in YouTube. And at that level, they expect that brand safety is going to be at the forefront of what YouTube is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are willing to come back once um, once changes are made. And I think YouTube learned a great lesson from the last instance because they were much quicker to respond this time around. They were much quicker to have an action plan this time around and be ready to go with a response and what they already have in place. And they have a team of, I hope might have the actual information of the team of how like people that are just now dedicated to reading comments. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy that, that that's what has to be done, but that's what has to be done. So, um, <laughs> my wife was always my wife loved psychology in, co- in college mm-hmm. it was one of her favorite classes and she loved deviant behavior it was a specific class and it explains a lot yeah right <laughs> and it leads into the fact that she you know she loves murder mystery like real life murder mystery shows and stuff like that and it, I mean it just it deviant behavior negative nefarious behavior is not going anywhere and the platforms or the technology or the speed with which things move which is a great pivot into 5g by the way (laughs) is um is going to continue and it and it just seems to me that the awareness of the platforms of now and of the future the ones that start now not the ones that are 10, 15 years old. The ones that start now, I think, are going to be the the generation that's building them are going to be more cognizant in the way that they build them now towards these issues. They've seen Facebook. They've seen YouTube. They've seen all these uh, organizations go through it. And that trust and transparency is probably something that is going to be in, more innate to the, the, the code, the fabric of what they are. So before we pivot to speed, <laughs> we will get there. Hope, uh, just to wrap this up, what in your recommendation would should advertisers and agencies do to be brand safe on YouTube or other video platforms? Yeah, um, honestly, I think just 
keep applying all of the brand safety measures that you're already applying when you're making your campaigns. Um, I always take out live streaming and like mature audience targeting and you can choose what types of content you run on. But I think that YouTube is already doing a pretty good job not letting your ads run on videos that may be inflammatory or um a little, racy, a little dicey yeah a little dicey just things that are a little dicey because on the um i watch a ton of youtube <laughs> like so much youtube that's really like the bulk of my viewing content i would say um and a lot of even just like youtube channels like gaming channels for example mm-hmm. um and even some beauty channels sometimes they have demonetization issues um for content that might be actually brand safe and there was like one or two things that youtube flagged so they are very strict about what they let you monetize yeah um at this point in time so i think that a lot of rules are already in place on the youtube side so i don't think you need to worry too much um i think they pretty much have a good grasp on everything, and I'm sure they're treading lightly in just, light of this scandal. It's it's I, I guess it's on their part. On I'll say mm-hmm. on a parent's part, it's vigilance about watching the community. Yeah, it's that's that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to do, but it's vigilance and and for them and for Facebook and so on. Those teams are going to disproportionately outpace growth of other teams internally, even possibly technology teams, because they know it's their Achilles heel. So related, one of the steps that YouTube is taking is putting more onus on their content creators. Yes. They are asking content creators, um, if you want to make ad dollars off of your content, you need to be more responsible for monitoring your comments, which is a really interesting way to pivot into that. And I think um, giving content creators uh, a little bit more um, control in order to, to get their ad dollars, it, it does make a little bit more work on their end. But I do think that with user-generated content, it does need to be a community, right? It does have to be everybody watching out for this type of thing. Yeah. And whether you're seeing it as a viewer or you're seeing it as a content creator, that you should report it. Well, and those dollars become more significant. People become more vigilant. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, the if if you're not going to get your check from YouTube, <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be in there like a hawk. But I will say that does provide to be an issue because there's just so many internet trolls out there. There's just like people trolling on videos all the time and they could be a fan and they just could make a comment that is distasteful or just literally a joke um, and that could like shut down an entire small YouTube channel or like demonetize an entire video that has like 10 million views. I don't know. There's just a lot of different scenarios and I think that we have to think about the creators as well because they might be penalized for something that they can't really control. You bring up a great point. I'm sorry. I think it's worth just staying on for a second because you used the term demonetization twice, um, which I'm not sure many people are familiar with. Could you explain that? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. explain demonetization real quick because I think it's important. Yeah, so Morgan touched on it a little bit. It's just like when YouTube doesn't pay you for 
any ads running on your video. Yeah. Well, so um, demonetization means that YouTube won't let any ads run on your videos. So you won't make any money. Where you previously were making money from ad sponsored exactly. on your video. Exactly. Oh, are you familiar with the process of becoming a paid content creator on YouTube? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um. So... It has to do with like how many views you have on a video, right? Like you get to a certain threshold and then like you get invited into the program. Yeah, I don't know how many views it is, but there are small channels. Like I don't think you even need any subscribers. I think it's just a threshold of maybe like a couple thousand views and then you can start getting paid. Like just ads will start running on your YouTube videos and then um, you start getting like little bits of money from YouTube. I think it's just a couple cents per ad, mm -hmm. but it really does add up, especially if you're consistently making videos that are a couple hundred thousand dollars or like millions of or a couple hundred views or a couple million views. Do we know, and I don't know this and I'm throwing this out with zero backing behind <laughs> it, Jim would be freaking out right now. Do we know who the, the highest paid YouTube um, star. I feel is. like it's like PewDiePie or PewDiePie one of those kind of guys. is the number one most subscribed to YouTuber, but I don't think he's the highest paid YouTuber. I think recently it came out that there was like this kid who is like love it. topping the charts and he's just an unboxing channel. Yeah. He's like maybe seven years old Missed and he calling. just has so much sponsorship money. He has so much ad that, revenue coming in. God, he has amazing. just like a ton of stuff. Well, and then it's cyclical because the brands now just start pumping new yeah, content or new absolutely. new product to him. And because he literally sits in his house. Yeah, yeah, he go, he's just wow. sitting in his giant mansion that he bought for his family, <laughs> unboxing all of these brand new toys. And honestly, like that's probably the safest content that you could run on. Well, except for the pedophiles, I guess. But except like for the comments. <laughs> yeah, the comments, monitor comments. Um, but yeah, brands are super willing to work with children, and I think he might be the number one most profitable. I'll follow person it up on, on the Twitter channel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll post it on yeah. our on our Twitter feed. <laughs> we'll figure it out at the A Game Podcast. Um, so going back to something Hope touched on, she watches a lot of YouTube content, and it, like I feel like as we as we hire more and more younger generation at Adcom, they all are just talking about all the stuff they're watching on YouTube. I know I've learned a lot of things from Hope on oh YouTube my gosh. that uh, I never <laughs> knew existed before. It's pretty fun. But um, so with the, this consumption of video, we need to solve for speed. We do need to solve for speed. Perfect segue. It's the need for speed. See, I thought I did it before. Morgan does no. it better. Yeah. Like in almost everything. <laughs> I don't know about that. But thank you. I, all right. I can announce a chili cook-off better. Okay. Maybe. Yes. yes. So Maybe. we did have a chili cook-off at Adcom, and Jeff Carlton did a very wonderful job of emceeing the event. I love emceeing. Yeah. Have you considered becoming an auctioneer? <laughs> have I? <laughs> I think you'd be really good on Antique Roadshow. <laughs> I love, I'm going to make a call. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm sure I could find somebody. It's the enthusiasm. It's not that I'm great. It's that I want it more. Yeah. Fans, so, if you have any con connections to Antique Roadshow, please Yeah, hit us up in our Jeff, comments. Jeff yes. Please do. Please do. We'd love to, we'd love to expand our reach to the, uh, the antique market. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so 5G is on the horizon. It's steadily approaching. We keep hearing more about it. We know it's going to solve for speed and data. Jeff, how do you think this is going to impact marketers? So it's we we started to have this conversation earlier, and I, you know, I struggle with it before. And before I even get into that, do you know 
that so for any of our listeners who are non-geographically specific to us, that Cleveland is right now in uh, not even in the talks. It's much further than that to be the first uh, 5G wired city in the Midwest. Awesome. Go Cleveland. So there is a big push on local officials to make this happen uh, from a handful of groups. But it is, I mean, it's a material jump forward. And the way, so frankly, I don't, is it going to affect us all in everything? Absolutely. Is it going to affect marketers first? I don't think so. And so 5G, we're, we're effectively talking about the doubling of speed um, and so you think 4K content is now 8K content, or, or excuse me, thank you, 100 times the speed. 100 um, to 1,000 times. So <laughs> a lot. But you, you're, you're making these massive jumps in content. You're making these massive jumps in computing power, yeah. which is really the, the bigger thing of it. So I think, I think when the new speeds start rolling out, what you see more is technology adoption first. I think Technologies that are starting and or growing start to utilize it to get faster, to compute faster, to make the systems that we use faster. I think marketing reacts to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think marketing drives it very much. I think we get to enjoy the fruits of it. I think we get to have faster video speeds at better video content, uh, clarity, things of that nature. I think we get to utilize SaaS um, platforms that compute data faster. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things uh, that'll affect marketing is machine learning really starting to catch its its stride with large data sets in marketing SaaS platforms where we're able to say, okay, this, you, you know, we're, we're getting content recommendations. We're getting next step recommendations for, you know, sales organizations. I think that's the kind of thing. But I think, I think we're, we ride sidecar. We don't, we don't, we don't lead that as much as, as much as we enjoy the fruits of its labor um, in platforms like yeah. YouTube, in, in SaaS platforms that we use to, to better the channels that we work in, like email or, or whatever the case may be. So I get very excited for it. I get very excited for the city of Cleveland for it. Um, but as a marketer, we get to sit in the back and allow it to kind of, uh, you know, mature mm-hmm. and, then, and then jump into the fray. Hope, do you agree? Do you feel like if we don't jump on the technology with our ad tactics, it'll just annoy people? Um, I don't think it'll necessarily annoy people. I completely agree with Jeff. Um, I think that we kind of have to wait for people to actually adopt that kind of technology because otherwise, like, our ads simply won't work. <laughs> if we start pushing out, like, 5G ads and people don't necessarily have it yet or they don't have like apps that can support it then there's no use in pushing those types of ads out um so i think we have to really gauge what the public is responding to and then react accordingly so i think her point is a great point though in that so we might not have to react to the technology immediately what we do have to be extremely knowledgeable of is how it is going to affect the technology so that as content is being created, as video content is being created, as Instagram and Facebook and so on change to meet the new technology, that we're the ones saying to our clients, this is how we're changing. This is how we have to be shooting. This is how we have to do so on and so forth. So our work comes along in education. Our work comes along in education of ourselves and consequently education of our clients as those things move along, which 
it, the further along I get in my career, especially in a professional services capacity, the more I realize that that is that's the secret sauce, right? Mm-hmm. It's that everybody knows everything's going to change. Who can give me clarity on how and it's why. going to change <laughs> that I, I can rise up to meet it? Yeah. And that's that's where you either win or lose as a marketing firm, a professional services firm, is are you doing the work mm-hmm. to know what's next? to be a predictor of those things so that you can then give that advice out. I agree. I don't think as marketers or as agencies we can we can necessarily sit back and wait for the technology. I think we have to be poised and ready to go. We have to be listening. We have to be part of the conversation. And when the technology does become available, we need to pounce <laughs> because that's how we get our brands out there. That's yeah. how we get noticed. If we sit behind with our clients and wait for everything to get, you know, get out there and everybody has it, you know, I think maybe it might be a little bit too late. I think we need to be educating our clients on it now. God, that's and, a great point. And I, yeah. thinking about ways we can utilize this technology, one of the things that I was reading was how 5G will allow us to connect more points, be able to um, use location-based data, which we've discussed at length, to really target consumers on an out-of-home scale and mobile scale at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Hope, what do you think about that kind of technology? I think that that's a huge game changer. It'll definitely help us in attribution and, yeah, just better targeting in general. Um, I think that the location targeting is going to be extremely accurate, which is not really something that we've gotten to this point. We've been able to geo-target, like, specific buildings but if we can get more specific than that that would be crazy Mm -hmm. the implications of that are huge um and real time sometimes a lot of the geotargeting that we do is to plan for like days later or like sometimes even weeks later if you want to like geofence a trade show for example um we can't really access that data right away um but 5g will change the game. <laughs> yeah, I think the implications of that could be pretty crazy. I mean, off the top of my head, what if you were shopping at Target mm-hmm. and then you got into your car and you put on Pandora and there was a programmatic buy in Pandora that just said, thank you for shopping at Target. Oh. We really appreciate you. Like the implications of that are huge. You know what the one, one of the worst conversations, and I've had it in my career before, one of the worst conversations or the comments that you can hear from your client is why aren't we doing this? Yeah, well, so... To go back to your earlier point, like, I think we just have to manage expectations because kind of like what Morgan was saying, we should be able to pounce first, but at the same time, that's not always feasible. So we have to manage client expectations to let them know, like, what is actually in our realm. (laughs) Hey, Morgan, did you know that Hope Hope brought so much fire? So like, much fire. Did you know that I'm she was going to bring this many emojis with her? When? Burning up, which is also <laughs> I jo- didn't. which is also a Jonas Brothers song. It, which oh. is it? Burning because up. I go to Hope. <laughs> I I am eight thousand years Hope senior, and I go to her for questions all the time. And I wasn't even sure she was going to bring this much fire. But Hope Ho brings fire. <laughs> Loyal listener. Damn. Um, I was very rising nervous. star. Right. I mean, I would call her. A, I would call her a protege, but she wow. is. She was. You know, she came this way. Um, she came. She was born this way. She was born this way. Lady Gaga was Morgan born this way. Morgan taught me half of everything that I know. <laughs> I just, yeah. she, she came really well prepared. Um, <laughs> like halfway. <laughs> 
So guys, uh, 5G is going to give us huge speed. We're going to be able to watch yeah. videos faster, which means we're going to be able to watch Game of Thrones faster. Oh my gosh. So to wrap up this episode, <laughs> I want your prediction of who is going to be on the Iron Throne. Um, I mean, I personally hope that Daenerys Targaryen mm. goes on the Iron Throne, but I have read a very compelling, um, I guess, prediction Spoiler that... Alert. Yeah, sorry? Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, no, not a spoiler. But um, maybe Sir Jorah? Oh, interesting. Super hot take. Maybe we will also maybe. share that prediction on our Twitter because <laughs> I feel like that's something that I would like to read. And yeah. hopefully, that's fire emojis people with that listen to us to would it. like that is to a read super it. Super hot take. Oh, yes. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm also a team Mother of Dragons. Yeah. I would love to see her on the Iron Throne, but I wouldn't hate. Uh, Jon Snow or uh, Tyrion Lannister. I mean, yes. Tyrion is, is the bomb in my world. I think he's pretty awesome. I'm going so. with hope. You're going with hope? <laughs> Thank Bye. you, Jeff. So we are all team Mother of Dragons. Yes. <laughs> which is great because this episode is on fire. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, Don't forget to check us out on all of our social channels, The A-Game on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Also, The A-Game uh, personal Twitter, The A-Game podcast. Um, we will see you next week. And have a great day. Thanks, Hope. Bye. Thank you.